Welcome to After Whistle Sports Podcast. I'm Dylan, and I'm joined by Jack and uh, probably the other Dylan at some point. Um, he's uh, currently coming back from something, but this call is also being done from my dorm room, and there's bad weather in Chicago. So if, if someone leaves or if, if someone can't get back on, we're just going to continue solo and just hope for the best. Yep, we uh, may have some technical difficulties, but we're going we're gonna to make it work. Yep, and we are going to make it work because it is just the, the first week of football uh, has been completed, and we're on to week two, and it's just awesome to be, I don't know, kind of having a normal football season. Uh, of course, last year with, like, COVID, there were no fans in the stadium. Um, a lot of teams just weren't really the same, and I was recently um, at the big house for the opening game, and it was awesome. Great environment. I know. I think you were at. Uh, I have Illinois. been to yeah. I've been to two games already. Actually, I was at Illinois versus Nebraska during Week Zero and uh, Northwestern versus Michigan State this week. And basically, sat on the couch watching football all day last Saturday. Super excited for next week and the NFL to start as well. Uh, it's good to be a good to be a football fan. Uh, and just a quick logistical note. I think we're gonna try to do um more of these weekly um probably every tuesday uh and then we're going to try to continue some basketball once we get into like november so a lot of exciting things on the podcast uh let's start off by just recapping the first week of college football um what is the most surprising thing for you that happened in week one uh well my most surprising thing is how close of games some top seeds top 10 teams had against some not so good teams you know highlighted ones number two Oklahoma uh you know kind of had a nail biter against Tulane in which you know Tulane unranked obviously not a notorious football powerhouse came within five points they were one yard short of a, a first down that would have uh probably given them the win or maybe you know at least a great shot at that in the red zone uh, number four, Ohio state was losing to Minnesota at halftime, Minnesota, obviously a pretty good program, uh, but you know, not the same Ohio state dominance we've seen in the past. And maybe some of this is just, you know, chalked up to week one jitters, whatever, but, uh, number six, Iowa state, you know, only beat Northern Iowa by one score. Number nine, Notre Dame went to uh, overtime with Florida state after blowing like a 18 point lead, uh, number 11, Oregon, was within, within one score of Fresno State, who, again, not a bad team, played, uh, you know, beat the snot out of UConn last week. And, hey, uh, can I add one? Can yeah. I add one? And then we had uh, UNC lose to Virginia Tech on the road, which, again, yeah. they're ranked number 10. That's a tough game. But um, something I kind of want to note just because of that is we saw Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, two quarterbacks who have been mocked to go probably um, at least top 10 in the NFL right. draft next year and I really think those guys struggled um especially Rattler he did not look good in the second half of that football game no yeah the the Heisman voting you know I mean like the the favorites besides Bryce Young I mean Rattler Howell the Derry King from Miami like you know did not really you know play up to what their potential seems to be yeah and you mentioned the close games um, my most surprising thing is that there are six FCS upsets over FBS schools. 
um, that is absolutely unheard of. And some of these ranked ones too. Ranked, yes. We had Washington lose to Montana, and you know that what? Was- if we did have a podcast last week, I would have talked about how good Montana is because they are a top five FCS team. Okay, and I, I'm, you know, what? I'm all for the FCS schools getting some love, um, but come on, man, six really? It's a step right. below. Um, relegated at this point. Yeah, relegated. But in all honesty, like, like kudos to Montana and the rest of the FCS, FCS schools for taking advantage of um, the opportunities and getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to go play against an FBS school and then coming out with a win. So yeah, great work. Um, what about, what about your biggest takeaways from week one? I know week one's usually um, more of a feeling out week and you can't really get any um, big takeaways till about like week three or four, but there are some things you can tell from week one. Um, what are those for you? Well, I think this year seems to be a year where they're, you know, independent of Alabama, which, you know, I think you'll talk about in a second. It's pretty open. I mean, you know, a lot of the rankings, et cetera, got very scrambled. A lot of, you know, top 25 teams lost, you know, a a lot of upsets happened and that's college football and that's week one. It's understandable. But I think in general, some conferences like the PAC 12 seems to be thrown into pretty, you know, disarray with who seems to be a favorite, the big 10. I mean, Iowa beat Indiana. There's uh, plenty of other, you know, uh, Ohio State didn't look as sort of dominant as they have maybe in the past. Wisconsin, despite losing, looked pretty good. Penn State looked good. MSU was kind of a surpriser. And I think in general, we may see just uh, some things that, you know, some of the college football pundits may not have thought of in the, in, in the preseason. Yeah. I, again, my note was that the only team without question marks right now is Bama. And they, they were completely – I'm really afraid for, for any other college football team that has to play Alabama um, because they were, they were on a different level over the weekend. It's, of course, it's, yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. The dynasty that Nick Saban and the staff has put together. I mean, it seems like every year they have four wide receivers go in the top round. I mean, you know, they had all those guys graduate and now they have, you know, Mechie and all those other new guys. It's, it's frankly unbelievable. They put, they put the second and third stringers, in the third quarter and we're still dominating the line of scrimmage against a good Miami team. Like that, that type of stuff is, is tough. And my worry is that when Bama's had trouble with teams, it's because they face just generational level quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. Um, I mean, even against like Justin Fields, but again, you saw what they did last year with Matt Jones, but um, I am not sure about the like high level quarterbacks. It, especially on teams like Clemson and Ohio State. Like, Ohio State, Stroud looked – he looked pretty solid against Minnesota, but he has a lot of work to do. Um, same with DJ Ewing. You, I'm going to mess this up by a lot. But Ewing Lele, yes. He um, looked a lot worse than he has actually last year in his two games where he played against BC and Notre Dame. I don't know. Yeah. The, the Georgia Clemson will be another thing that we're going to talk about later on. I, can't. I don't. I don't think Clemson or Ohio State really has a realistic shot at Bama. I think the only two teams that could are Oklahoma with Rattler if they can actually figure stuff out, and Georgia with their defense. But even so, like without you know that high powered offense, like Bama's still going to score you know thirty plus yeah. points against Georgia, and Georgia's not going to score. 
30 points gets banned. Uh, I don't know. I, we're going to talk about that later, but there's a lot of football to be played. Uh, but right now, that, Bama has the least. They put on a show. Studio. Bryce Young played really well. Miami returned 19 out of 22 starters and frankly got embarrassed. It, it was it was a show. Uh huh. And then my last note is that, and this is usually the case in week one, but defense looked a lot sharper throughout the board than offense. Um, and that's just going to happen when you when you play a week one. You need guys on offense to gel together, see what works. Um, just, just get more reps. Um, but I was, I had, there was a couple of defenses that I was really excited about. And I think we're going to talk about that later as well. Um, next, this is a little fun segment. What was the best individual player you saw on the field uh, out of all the games? Um, all right, I can go first. So I, I was at the Michigan state versus Northwestern game. And frankly, was pretty blown away by the performance of Michigan state running back, uh, walk, uh, Walker, wait, is it Kenneth Walker or Terrence Walker? I can't, I think it's Kenneth. Kenneth okay. Walker. That's what I thought. He had 260 yards and four touchdowns. The first play of the game, they got a touchback, ran for 75 yard touchdown up the sideline. Michigan State, not, you know, deemed to be a contender in the preseason. Maybe they still won't be, but they, they manhandled Northwestern, led on by the backs, uh, led on the back of their running back who just tore up a, a Northwestern defense that has been really good, especially last year and, and this year. Yeah. My, my uh, individual player award is going to go to Jordan Davis, defensive tackle for Georgia, who I rewatched the game over again. And there was 10 minutes, I think in the, in the third quarter where he made every single play. He's an absolute <laughs> mammoth of a human, completely unstoppable. Clemson offensive line couldn't knock him off the ball. At, honestly, one of the most incredible D-line performances I've seen in a really long time. And he is going to be a problem for SEC teams moving forward. Keep an eye on this kid. 6'6", 340, that's something. He's, he, he's an unmovable object, man. And, and he has great hands. He's quick off the ball. I, he's scary, dude. I, I, I can't put a guard up there against him. I mean, yeah, even Bama with their, you know, big O lineman, and I think I think some people will figure it out. But he that he's a problem. Georgia's defense looks really good against the Clemson team, who is known as an offensive powerhouse, not a big defensive team. Exactly. Only put up three points. Exactly. Um, next, we're going to go into our trending up and trending down. I know you're not the biggest fan of, but uh, we'll do it. We'll do a little bit here. Me, I, I like it for basketball because it's like, you know, they actually play multiple games in a week. I feel like after one week, it's, it, it, it's still trending. It's still trending. They're, they're trending. All right. Let's All right. My, my first trending up, and I'm going to take this one for you, but Chip Kelly, coach of UCLA, he was – literally, this is a make-or-break year for him. And you know what? I'm so glad that they came out the way that they did. Um, they beat a re- up, I mean, not a really solid LSU team. That team had a lot of problems, but a more talented LSU team. And they looked like fairly dominant throughout. And in terms of what the other Pac-12 teams did, um, I would say this is, as of now, this is UCLA's conference to lose. Yeah, there's, you know, there's some other good Pac-12 teams. Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah. Arizona State. I mean, it's it was projected to be a really good conference this year with UCLA not really leading the pack. But I, you know, as uh, a UCLA student, am very <laughs> excited about the, the the upcoming football season. And you know, we've got our uh, beat LSU. You know, non conference game huge for Chip Kelly, who's been really bad in non conference games. Uh, you know, we've got two really good running backs, a quarterback who's hopefully finally 
you know, getting the training wheels off in his third year starting a defense that looks quite good, you know, a really good tight end. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, we've got a bye week now, so hopefully they'll have a while to prepare for Fresno State, which kind of does feel like a, a little bit of a trap game because they're pretty good. Uh, but, I, you know, I'll be there. Uh, should be fun. And I hope they just uh, can keep rolling and Chip Kelly can uh, get out of the hot seat. Nice. And then I'm, I'm going to go on to my second one real quick. Uh, my second one's going to be Ole Miss football, which you might have missed it because it was played, I think, last night on Monday night. Uh, Ole Miss absolutely dismantled a solid Louisville team. Again, it's Louisville. But the way that they did it was really impressive for me. Um, Matt Corral, like, honestly, might be uh, a Heisman favorite right now. Um, he was really good. He kind of built off his momentum last year. Um, and we saw it a little bit last year, especially in the game against Alabama where they played him pretty close. That offense, Lane Kiffin's got, got something there. And um, they are a really scary team, I feel like, in the SEC. Just because besides Georgia and Alabama, there, there are some question marks down the board. Uh, Florida's got question marks. I feel like, of course, we just saw LSU lose. Um, and I think Ole Miss could really make some noise uh, in the SEC. And, I again, I really liked what they saw in an absolute dominating fashion on Monday night. And how about Lane Kiffin wasn't even there? He had COVID. He was, exactly, he had COVID. They can even get better. So my next – I'll talk about a trending down. Uh, Yoss is uh, Indiana University. You know, he doesn't get to be here to, you know, talk badly about them himself. But I was confident in them. They had a – you know, they what, won like nine games last year. They, you know, had a returning quarterback who seemed to be really good and obviously was hurt the, the you know, the latter half of the year. But – I had high expectations for them, and they just got destroyed by Iowa. I mean, Iowa looked really good. They scored 14 points in, like, the first minute and a half of the game or something. Like, the, the they had that one uh, defensive cor- – the cornerback have two, yeah, two, like, pick sixes. Yeah, two pick sixes. That was crazy. I mean, I watched a lot of that game, and Indiana just could not get their offense going. And maybe that's a credit to Iowa's defense, but this Indiana team is not – does not seem like they're going to be a Big Ten contender as they were yeah. last year. Listen, I, I feel bad doing this because Yacht isn't here to defend himself. But a couple months ago before the season started, we made a bet, and I said that IU wasn't going to win more than eight games. And mm-hmm. I still feel confident about that. Definitely. Um, and but that doesn't mean that IU is a bad football team. Again, like for Indiana and its history of football, eight wins is amazing. But last year, I feel like, which was their breakout year, I, I think they benefited a lot from certain teams just having COVID problems or just being a lot yeah. worse than usual with the crazy yeah. season. Um, and I definitely see them regressing towards the mean uh, more this season. Yeah, that, I think they just have high expectations and then they're not going to hit those expectations, which, you know, it's not going to mean they have a bad season, especially because Indiana has not been a Big Ten football powerhouse, but uh, they're not going to be like last listen, year. Listen, eight wins is absolutely fantastic in the Big Ten East with Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Um, like, that, that is a really solid number to get to. I just, like, if you're expecting nine wins, ten wins out of the Indiana team, I don't think you're going to get that. <laughs> I just, on the, yeah. For the talent on paper, I don't think they have the talent for ten wins. I mean, um, but even eight, it might be a stretch because, you know, Penn State looked really good. Yeah. Michigan, honestly. They play, like, plus, they play Cincinnati in a couple of weeks. And, oh, and my. Cincinnati is, is 
looking incredible as well. So yeah, just just not good for IU. We'll see if they can turn it around. Um, now let's go talking about turning it around. Let's go to the trending down uh, for me, and that's going to be Edo. Um, and this has been he's been trending down. I feel like since last year. Of course, he won the national championship in 2019. Lost Joe Burrow, lost those receivers, lost uh, offensive coordinator Joe Brady to the NFL. And we're back with Edo just being mediocre. And um, I've read a lot, especially on like from the LSU fans, that they feel like he's on the hot seat now, which I think that's a little bit controversial as is because he's only two years removed from a national championship. Yeah. But they had a lot more talent than UCLA. Last year, they had a lot more talent than the teams that they lost to. Um, at, at some point, it's inexcusable to lose these games and not even be competitive. That UCLA game, they lost by multiple scores. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. UCLA is good, and I'm high on them, but at some point, he has to be responsible for you know, taking this team to um, having solid seasons without Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, Terrace Marshall. Like, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as say Edo's in the hot seat just because that 2019 was team was one of the best college football teams. We've yeah, but ever how seen. much how much of that is attributed to Joe Brady, offense coordinator, and like the plethora and of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and you know the and what Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? Yeah, I mean, look at listen, look at what he's done without those it's, guys. That's it's fair. I mean, you know, if this season goes very poorly, maybe, but. You know, they were still ranked in the preseason. UCLA, maybe, I think they're just better than people were anticipating. And, I, don't, I mean, like, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But, yes, Edo, obviously, it, it did make me happy after he tried and chirp some UCLA fans that they, <laughs> they got their, their butts kicked for the second time. Uh, you know, he was, used to be the coach of USC and also lost to UCLA at home, which was – it was exciting. Um, yeah. But – I, 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 I kind of have faith. I think he's not a bad coach. All right. Enough talking about last week. Let's go on to our week two outlook and predictions. Um, let's first start off with maybe four games that I'm not going to say the word lock because I never want to say that. But <laughs> in terms of, of, of betting a little bit, what are four games you feel comfortable with? Hmm. Um, well, Let's see. I like Texas. I think Texas is a favorite. They, they played really well against Louisiana. To be fair, they are going to Arkansas on the road, which is always hard, you know, playing an SEC team on the road, uh, you know, because SEC, they, they, you know, live and breathe SEC football there. Uh, but I, I feel like they're going to cover. I, I think uh, they're, they, they played really well last week, and Arkansas obviously won as well, but I don't think they're the same caliber as uh, this new Texas team with their uh, new coach. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I really was impressed with what Texas did uh, last week against univers- a good University of Louisiana team. But uh, Texas is favored by, I think, six points last time I checked. Um, I like Arkansas. It's going to be a really great atmosphere because, of course, there's all this bad blood between um, Arkansas and Texas with um, both of them used to be in the Southwestern Conference, used to be a pretty big rivalry, and now Texas is going to join the SEC at some point. So that will be a fun one. Um, I, I think Texas is going to really establish a run game with Bijan Robinson, probably one of the best running backs in the country. Um, and I just like what Texas is doing, which, of course, I'm going to say that now they're going to lose by three <laughs> scores and I'm going to look like an idiot. 
in, in classic Texas fashion. But um, that's fair. Yeah, I, I I like Texas covering six. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there are two more. I'll let you talk about the, the big spread games because I know you have an opinion on a bunch of those, but the two more that seem like they're closer games that I think uh, I, I'd be willing to, to, to throw some sort of wager on is Iowa versus Iowa State. I think Iowa State looked absolutely dismal and they're still favored versus okay. Iowa, who looked really good. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about that game, actually, because that is actually going to be a top 10 matchup. I feel like we should. Spend yeah, a that's, time fair. On that. that's um, fair. I, we might as well do that now. But the I think the reason why that line is is still favoring Iowa State is because that rivalry game is absolutely crazy. Like if, mm-hmm. if you're if you're gonna gamble, that is you you don't know what you're gonna expect with that one. Um, <laughs> that game is absolutely nuts, and I'm super excited for it. But the Iowa State situation is really interesting for me because. Of course, they're, they're Iowa State, but they have a really, really talented roster, and they're really well coached by Matt Campbell. Um, they returned a ton of their players last year that finished um, top 10 and had a really solid season. And Iowa, again, we just saw them dismantle a, a top 25 team. And I, I don't know. I, I'm really torn on this one. I think you get solid value out of Iowa and maybe whatever points you can get, four points, three and a half. But I, I could definitely see, uh, see a world where Iowa State just dominates that game on the ground with, with uh, Brees Hall, and um, they're just able to control the game and not let the Iowa defense force turnovers. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. It should be, it should be fun. Uh, there are a lot of good rivalry games. The other one I was going to mention is Utah versus BYU. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Utah is, is going to be BYU. I believe the spread is six or seven. Uh, but uh, BYU has lost nine straight games against, uh, uh, I believe Utah at home, uh, their Utah played, uh, you know, a not so great Weber state team, but they, they handled them pretty well in terms of, you know, uh, yardage and, and things like that. Uh, you know, and, and BYU played a little bit better of an Arizona team, I think, but, you know, by no means, a, a pac 12 competitor and, and, uh, I, I, I like, I like Utah on this one. How about you? I, I do actually like Utah too, because I think going into the season, my biggest question with Utah was the quarterback position and uh, Charlie Brewer, who's from Baylor transferred, um, has looked really solid. Uh, and I, I just like the consistency Utah brings. Um, BYU, I don't think they really have the talent to reload after last year's season. Uh, again, rivalry game. It's, it's at BYU, which, I feel like makes it a little bit oh. more interesting. Um, but I would feel comfortable with maybe Utah and like minus five, five and a half, something like that. Um, maybe six points. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Another game I really like uh, is very interesting is UAB against Georgia. Georgia's currently favored, I think, by 27 and a half. Um, maybe that line's moving up and down. But I'm not saying that UAB is going to make this game close. I'm just saying that 28 points is a lot of points for a team that only scored 10 last week against a good Clemson defense. But um, there are still question marks uh, for the Georgia offense. I think their defense is going to come out like they usually do and just be completely stout. But, again, UAB is also not a bad team. Um, 
Like they are, again, they're not power five, but they are a really solid group of five team. And I see them playing it pretty close to the first three quarters, which is why uh, I like UAB and the uh, 28 or so point team again. Yeah, you actually mentioned that you wanted to get in on this early because the line was going to change. And I actually just checked, and it's currently 24 and a half. Oh, so, so it has, yeah. That's because I think it was 27 and a half when we checked like yesterday. So that's, I, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from there. I would I think still Florida, 24 and a half. Yeah. Florida versus USF is another big one, 29 points. Florida actually looked really good last week. And uh, I think they probably cover that. Notre Dame minus 19 and a half versus Toledo. You know, obviously Notre Dame didn't come out great, but I think, you know, versus – I think Florida State's just a little bit underrated. Yeah. And, you, uh, know, you know, I think it's an interesting matchup too. App State against Miami. This is – I feel like this is interesting for many reasons. First of all, App State, as everyone knows, is one of the better non-Power 5 football schools. Um, and Miami is coming off a pretty demoralizing loss against Alabama, but we didn't really learn that much from Miami because they yeah. played Alabama. Um they're currently Miami's currently getting seven and a half points um, or favored by seven and a half, which I, I think is pretty fair. Uh, I would actually lean towards Miami covering that seven and a half. Um, I just think that they're a much better team than what they showed against Alabama. I think uh, so too. I, I like, I like Miami minus seven and a half. I think they're going to get their job done there. And then I have one more actually that is really interesting for me. And Ball State going at Penn State. Penn State currently favored by 22 and a half. Um, I definitely like Ball State and the points. And, and I would even go as far as to say that I think Ball State could pull off the upset. Um, mm. Last year, Ball State won the MAC conference in, in pretty solid fashion, um, played in a bowl game. Uh, they return a lot of their players. Penn State, they, they beat Wisconsin, but they had – some problems I think on offense they um just didn't look the sharpest and I could definitely see this as a game where Penn State comes out a little bit slow and the game gets a lot closer than it needs to be um but that is one to keep an eye on yeah I don't know if I'm totally with you there I think a lot of that was up to how good Wisconsin's defense was I mean Ball State only beat you know directional Illinois by 10 points uh like I just think these schools are two different calibers, but 22 is, is, is a lot of points. A lot of points, man. Ball state winning. uh, Yeah. You're going to have a hard time. Listen. Okay. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Michigan fan. So I'll put this in perspective, but week one last week, Michigan was only favored by 17 and a half against Western Michigan and ball state's a much better team than Western Michigan. Okay. And again, you might think Penn state's a lot better than Michigan. I feel like they're pretty similar. Um, 22 and a half. They are. Like right. 20, 22 and a half is, is a lot of points. I think a couple games we should also talk about, not necessarily for betting purposes, but just for, you know, exciting purposes. Uh, Michigan, Washington, and Oregon, Ohio State. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with Oregon, Ohio State. Um, sure. Oregon's coming in. Uh, Oregon does have some injuries, though, I'd like to note. Um, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who might be the number one overall draft pick, outstanding defensive end. He's day to day, I heard. Um, so he I think that's the play. biggest question. I heard yeah. he, I watched the play. I think he like hurt his ankle on a play he wasn't even involved in. Like he got ran into. Uh, and he was in a boot. So uh, hopefully he's he's back. That'll make it a lot more fun. But he only played one quarter of their game last week. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But he was – I mean, he dominated. In he's the, the, no, he's a, he's a game changer. He's a Chase Young type. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's a complete game changer. I think Ohio State still comes out with a win, if, even if he's there. But uh, I think it'll be a lot closer than it should be um, if, if he ends up playing. Uh, but, again, I still like Ohio State by probably around 10 points. Yeah, I think so. I think Oregon, I mean, they, they, they didn't obviously again without him, but even their offense did not look great against Fresno state. Ohio state was again, losing at halftime to Minnesota. Uh, I think, I think Ryan day, they, they take this week. They, you know, I think they figure it out. I think they beat, they beat Oregon pretty handily as well. Even if, uh, you know, they, they get the Thibodeau back. Yeah. Another thing I'd like to know is that um, in the second half of that Minnesota game, C.J. Stroud looked, looked really, really good. Um, he kind of came out slow in the first half, and then the second half he had a ton of big plays through the air. Um, and then Ohio State's wide receivers are probably the best in the country. I just I, – I don't know if Oregon has enough to win. Um, I think Oregon's ground game is, is really solid, but it's just those big plays that basically no one except for uh, uh, Alabama can, can defend those Ohio State big plays. Um, yeah, Yas is, 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 is talking about potentially coming on, but, uh, I don't know what the deal is with that. Uh, the last game, or I don't know if there's any others you want to talk about, but Washington versus Michigan, it's very, an interesting one. Washington projected to be a very, very good team coming into the year. Lost to freaking an FCS Montana. I mean, again, obviously a, a fine FCS school, but an FCS school nonetheless. Michigan, not ranked, not real supposed to, I don't know if that's called a down year, but not, not an up year for sure. Uh, and they, they handled Western Michigan pretty well. Uh, what do you think about this one? Well, I, you, you want the uh, two minute answer or do you want the uh, hour and a half answer? <laughs> Let's go 45 <laughs> seconds. About 45 that? seconds. You got it. Um, yeah. I, I, Michigan looks much improved and I know it's against Western Michigan. So there's not much you can take away from that. But um, they were incredible on the ground. I, I, they ran for, I think, over 300 yards, um, which I don't care who you're going up against. That just shows um, just the talent of the offensive line. And the Michigan defense, for me, was the thing I wanted to look for. Uh, of course, they fired Don Brown. They hired Mike McDonald, who came from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and their defense looked really stout. Uh, they have big questions for the middle of the defensive line, which is going to be tough against the huge Washington line, but I just, I, I liked what I saw to Michigan enough to like be fine with Michigan being favored by however many, however many points they are against Washington. Yeah. I think I like Michigan in this one too. Uh, the, the one big question mark for me is the, uh, what's the name of the receiver? The really good one. Who got oh, Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell. Yeah. Ronnie yeah that's obviously with, yeah. a devastating loss. Uh, but I think Michigan's offense, you mentioned the running game, also the passing game, you know, quarterbacks seem to really settle in. They also, you know, had JJ McCarthy, true freshman come in later in the game who also looked, you know, really good as his prospects for the next, you know, couple of years. Uh, I I think Michigan's, you know, hopefully going to outperform some of their preseason expectations. And I think, I think they beat Washington. Plus, it's a uh, primetime game with a packed big house with with the maze out. So yeah, that that will be really fun. fun. If if you see at, me on at night, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that'll be nuts. 
Maybe I'll come up and watch it. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, let's uh, let's go bigger picture a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. What are the conferences that have the most to gain out of this week? And looking at some of the matchups, I think the obvious answer is Pac-12. I mean, they 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 need they they need to prove that you know they it's a big week. I mean, Oregon versus Ohio state, probably the biggest matchup between the big 10 and the Pac-12 the entire year, uh, you know, Washington versus Michigan, that right there. I mean, there's also a couple of, you know, uh, Utah definitely needs to be BYU. Yeah. Like uh, we did. We also didn't mention it, but uh, Colorado's is, is hosting at home. They're, they're playing um, a top 10 Texas A&M team, uh, yeah. which is that's another I, one that I, I saw when the line came out. I, questions it a little bit i think the line's currently at uh i think what is it 16 points and i i'm still wondering about texas a&m of course new new quarterback they still have isaiah spiller probably one of the best running backs in the nation still one of the best defensive lines but uh i i think that game will be a lot closer than many people think um especially because colorado is hosting it and of course everyone has problems playing up in boulder uh, that's an interesting one. You know, there's a lot of chances for big statement wins over um, top 25 teams for the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, Colorado played really well in their first in their first game against some uh, school I've never heard of. But uh, I think I think <laughs> Bishop A&M Sycamore, <laughs> Bishop Sycamore, exactly. But I think I, I mean, obviously they're at home. Colorado is like a kind of an interesting place to play in because of like the altitude. I think, uh, but. I think AM is probably I, – I mean, it would be great for the Pac-12 if Colorado could win this game, but it seems unlikely in my opinion. Uh, and then uh-huh. I, I think another conference that um, – to, to give a different answer, I think the Big 12 or whatever the remains of the Big 12 is <laughs> um, will have to have a, a solid week. There's a, a lot – another, like, solid amount of matchups here. We have, uh, of course, Iowa State going into Iowa in the premier matchup. That's going to be prime time. Everyone's eyes are going to be on that. Um, you have Texas playing. Uh, I just think that um, the Big 12 has to have a solid showing just to show that they're nationally relevant. Um, that, the time to do that is non-conference. So, I, I think the only conference, in my opinion, this week that doesn't really have anything to prove is the SEC. Exactly. Just because I've seen enough in the SEC already. Like the Big Ten had, you know, some of their big hitters had close games, whatever, mostly against each other, and they have a lot of non-conference games. That, like I mentioned, against the Pac-12, et cetera. You know, the SEC, it's like Bama is really, really good. There's, you know, uh, Georgia clearly really, really good as long as they can handle UAB. Uh, Florida is probably going to destroy USF. At, but I'm excited. It's, 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 it's a really good slate. You know, it should be an awesome week of football, and you can look forward to uh, our analysis and looking forward to week three next week, next Tuesday. Um, So I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Again, thanks for listening. We're going to try to be on next week, Tuesday, so make sure you have your notifications for, like, the downloading and stuff so you can um, get on those early betting lines. (laughs) How about the NFL starting, too, on Thursday? Yes, we also have the NFL starting. That's going to be awesome. We can Um, definitely talk for an hour about that, too. But we, you know, big fantasy guys, you know, definitely excited. And this college stuff relates to it, too, because 
next year, you know, who's going to be in the league? I mean, these guys, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, these running backs, you know. Exactly. And uh, I'm not trying to sound arrogant here, but I've done a really solid job of picking uh, young quarterbacks who go off in fantasy. So <laughs> we'll uh, see. Yeah, on that. your guy this year, Trey Lance, right? Trey Lance, look out. He's dual threat. I think he's going to win that job from Jimmy G in a little bit. Uh, again, thanks for listening. We'll be back here next week. Hopefully we'll have Yoss on here as well. I think he was golfing or something instead of going to class. I don't know. He's but whatever. Big, big college guy. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Um, see you guys next week. Bye.